0: But well, there was one time in my life where I made a really mathematical mistake. I'm not sure how it happened, but uh, about 10 years ago, I was uh, working at and attending a church up in Michigan, and um, you know, believe that, And we've talked this before at Exodus, so we believe that tithing, which is 10% is what God wants, wants of us in terms of learning how to give our, give our things away in terms of the church. So I'd kind of, you know, tithe and was figuring out some income things and giving. And one time I was writing my check to the church I was attending, and something that seemed weird to me. I was like, this number isn't right. What's going on here? And, and as I kind of backed up and did the math a little bit, I realized for the, the previous five months, I had been giving $200 more a month than, my, than I was supposed to. All right. I was planning to give you, like know, I said, I'm a math guy. So I figure out the 10%, not, not legalistically, but I just like, like, you know, I like straight lines, you know, figure out my 10%. And I don't know how, but some, somehow five months prior, I switched and started the checks, writing the checks to the church for $200 more than, than I had thought I was going to. All right. So then what do you do with that? I mean, could, does God give refunds? I mean, <laughs> I'd given God, a, I'd given the church $1,000 more than I thought I wanted to. All right? And I'm just like, uh, I remember telling my wife, I can't believe I did I don't know what happened. And then I think, do I get a refund? No, I can't do that. God, what do you want me to do with this? And we have all these weird emotions when it comes to money. And I think what I ended up doing, I just thought, well, I can, maybe I've got a credit then for the next five months and I can, (laughs) you know, we play those games. But it was kind of weird because it really gets you to think, which we all do, about money and God and money and church and money and christianity and how does that all go together and all the emotions that stir up inside of us when it comes to money um even the fact that i've said money a few times some of you have emotions stirring up right now because money in church i mean, i had a guy working in my house one time working on my fireplace one time and he knew i was a pastor and i just asked him one time i said hey give me your what's your biggest gripe about the church i love asking people that question who are not churchgoers and if they if they know you want to really know they'll be really honest he said, I'm sick and tired of him talking about money all the time. Hey, good point. So, yeah, money's an issue we have all kinds of emotional stuff about. Um, and that's understandable. So, like I said, in my case, I think I, I think I did kind of take the credit from God and go a few months of changing it. But it was a weird experience. I, mean, I could go back on my quick on, on QuickBooks at home, and I went back this week and couldn't even see, oh, that's the mistake I made. I don't know why I started giving more. Maybe God wanted me to give more. I don't know. <laughs> One of the things we talked about last week is we, were at, uh, you know, and we hired on a new staff. We're trying to figure out how God wants us to kind of increase our capacity to release life. Well, we say we want to do release life into one another, to Bloomington around the world. And so we really believe that bringing on Dan, kind of expanding our budget would help us become that kind of people. And I mentioned last week that we have a, over the next few months, we, our, our goal is to try to uh, increase our monthly giving by six and a half thousand dollars all right now let me say it again here if you're new to exodus or this is your first sunday you're not a regular here this is somewhat of a family talk so listen in but don't feel like i'm trying to put any pressure on you all right so sixty five hundred dollars a month is where we feel like the stretch is going to need to happen over the next few months nine months in terms of seeing that expand for us to hold the capacity of what we feel like i us to do all right now next one uh, today, at the end of the service, everybody's going to get one of these. And again, if you're a regular person, you know, whatever, it's uh, going to ask you—I'll just read it—we're uh, going to ask everybody to at least have this conversation with God. In response to asking God, what do you want me to do, I'm committed to increasing or beginning my financial giving to Exodus Church by the following monthly amount for at least one year beginning April 2011. We're going to ask people to check one or, two, one or the other. And some of you may just realize maybe God's saying nothing. You'll have to wrestle with that yourself in terms of why you want to do that. But first one would be if you're a regular giver, sensing what you think God may ask you to increase. And if you're not a regular giver, what you think my God may ask you to start giving. And again, um, let me just say this. Tithing, giving, you know, giving of your money, it is an issue of obedience to God. It's not a legalistic thing, but it is an issue of obedience. So whether, you, whether or how you give... It's not a question of if, it's maybe a question of how. So I'm not saying this is, uh, motivation isn't guilt here. Motivation is how do we become people who obey God? You understand what I'm saying there? Motivation is not that we have cash flow problems or we got a close shop or fire Dan, you know, kind of the money kind of thing. The motivation is how do we become obedient people? Because this seems to be a big deal to God money does all right so you get one of the ends of the service today and we're going to ask people to bring those back next week or still one out and have it ready for next week or in future weeks as well all right now next one we've been talking about kind of taking this uh, stretching way beyond comfort we say as a church we stretch beyond comfort stretching way beyond comfort um with the story of abraham we've talked about abraham and the way that god gave him this gift of this child this promise. And then God asked him to kind of sat, be willing to sacrifice it and give it away, and then God brought it back. And, but the fact that there's times we have these treasures, whether it's people, or in this case we're talking about money, that we hold on to, and maybe we're holding on too tight, and maybe God knows that's not good for the capacity of our hearts to be the kind of people we want to be. All right. So here's the question we'll start with this morning. How might Jesus be challenging the relationship between your heart and your money? All right. Some of you college students might be like, hey, I'm out, I'm out on this one. I got no money. Uh, You will someday, all right? So file this away, and you have something now. And again, file this away and uh, wrestle this through. Now, let me add one more thing, because I say this every time I talk about money. If you have any questions about motive here, like what's our motive for asking money, and I'm sick and tired of churches asking for money, um, on the side table in the bright green, there's a list of, I don't know, 20, 30 different churches in Bloomington addresses, websites, pastors' names. I even have some of the pastors' wives names. don't have them all yet. But if you're questioning motive and you feel like God's challenging to start giving, give it to another church for six months. I don't care. But give. All right? You understand? If you're really not sure if the motive's, you know, there's on the side table, give. Find another church to give to and see what God wants to do in your life through that. All right? So whether you give here or somewhere else is not the primary issue. The issue is how do we deal with money? And what does mean? why does God want us to give money away into ministry? All right? So that's the question. How might Jesus be challenging in a relationship between your heart and your money? I have up here uh, my primary credit card, my bank card, my health insurance, my car insurance and my Kroger card. It represents most of the expenditures, expenditures of my life right here, all right? So how does this relate to this? And what spiritually, what, is, what do I do with this? Because it feels kind of dirty sometimes with money and, you know, debt. Some, and I know, some of you here are well off financially. Some of you are not so well off financially. Some of you are writing in debt that you'd, you'd be embarrassed to tell people. All right? So we're in all different situations, but money in our heart is connected to every one of us. Every one of us has, has a bungee cord between this kind of stuff and our heart, and it's always around us. All right? Now, next slide. Uh, last week, you remember I talked about, and it's, hard, and it's kind of preparing for this a little bit, is, is there's this sense that God talks about the desires of our heart, and sometimes that's connected with the treasures of our heart, and we don't always know how to do that. And one of the things I do want to say is there are times in Scripture where, and I, I won't go where that's, I'll maybe talk about it next week, is some of you may need to feel like God's giving you permission, I guess, To spend something on the desires of your heart, all right. It's not all about God demanding things. Sometimes there may be things that might bring you joy that you feel guilty spending for yourself, and God may say that's okay. Your joy is important to me. Now, limits and boundaries. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. I can go into debt and buy a Mercedes. You know that's not what I'm talking about. But you know what I'm saying? Don't don't feel like God's always trying to figure out what He get from you. Maybe. Maybe you're wondering whether it's okay for you to spend that money on something that you think will bring you or others around you some degree of genuine joy. All right, so don't. The money is all kinds of a two-way street here. It's all kinds of weird things we have to figure out with God. God doesn't want us all to you know always give give give. There's sometimes where it's okay to spend on yourself. Now understand, again, understand with limits and balance and things like that. All right, so desires of your heart do matter. Now next one, we're gonna jump back to Abraham. Remember, Abraham was, uh, God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless the nations through you. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. Well, then if you know, so we're going to kind of continue in Abraham's story to talk about some of the emotions of money. Um, Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had a son, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One of them was Joseph. Joseph, through some bad things happened to him, ended up in Egypt. He ended up coming into governmental leadership in Egypt through some weird things. There was a famine all of his brothers had to go from the promised land over to egypt they get all egypt they start living there they become uh the egyptians eventually enslave them because they're becoming too many people and they're not egyptians that's where the slavery thing comes in that's where the charlton heston and moses and the exodus come in all right so this is where we are now we've jumped generations ahead but still the same promise of the god to abraham is i'm going to bless you abraham You're going to, through your descendants, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless them, and through them, I'm going to bless the world, all right? So that's where we are now, but we're going to see where money and provision and how God provides comes into play, all right? That's the journey they took from Egypt to uh, the promised land. They kind of took a circuitous route um, based on some of their own disobedience, sometimes it was just God's direction, all right? And they were going from a place of slavery to a place of blessed to be a blessing, all right? Part of the reason the name Exodus was chosen for this church was what does it mean for people to move from a lifestyle of slavery to the way the world wants us to live to a lifestyle and a way of living where we're blessed to be a blessing, all right? So this journey of moving from one kind of life to another, and I'm not talking about just financial stuff. I mean in terms of abundance is really part of what the Exodus is about, and that's what Exodus is about, all right? So to the next one. We're going to look at we're going to look at some attitudes God's people had along this journey about whether or not God would provide for them because that's really the issue with money I mean the people from when they left Egypt they didn't have like credit cards and cash they had nothing except what they got from the Egyptians as they were leaving you know God said ask your Egyptians you know slave owners for things and I'm going to give them favor, give you favor with them. And so the Israelites left Egypt with gold and fine clothes and all these things. They didn't have cash. It wasn't like they were carrying ATM cards. in The desert and seeing who had the most money to go buy, you know, a coke or whatever. But first, the emotion they experienced that we all experience when it comes to money is the emotion of panic. They're getting ready to, cry. they're leaving Egypt. Wow, God's provided. He's delivered us this far. Then all of a sudden they realize, whoa, whoa, here comes Pharaoh now. Pharaoh's coming to get us. Whoa. Moses, this is not good now because there's a Red Sea right here and Pharaoh's there and the Red Sea's here and Pharaoh's there. And Why do we even take these steps in the first place? Is God really going to provide for us? I mean, it's like, you know, you take some steps in terms of how you're going to rearrange your financial life and living under God's reign and not your own. And you take those steps like, oh, oh, car trouble. Oh, I forgot about that debt. Oh, and you start feeling squeezed. And you start doing what the children of Israel did, and they started panicking. And they're, oh, Moses, what'd you do? What'd you do? I I, I knew I should have just stayed back there. It was working for me. That kind of life was working for us. Slavery. And they were saying it was working because it was predictable. And we love predictability more than we love life sometimes. Sometimes the emotion you're going to go through and the emotions that I go through about money and whether God can provide if I do things his way, one of the emotions is panic. What am I doing? Some of you have probably given money away or written a check to a church, and when you let go of it, there's that ugh. That's a TV right there. You know, that's a new computer screen. That's a vacation to Florida or part of one, and panic kind of sets in. Like, oh, I don't know. Next emotion that shows up, which is typical of the people then and is typical of me and you now, is they complained because now, now they've kind of crossed. You know, God did this. They crossed the river. They made it through that kind of challenge. Now the challenge of God providing is, okay. Moses wouldn't have anything to eat. Right into the wilderness, have nothing to eat. Again, that was their currency. We have no food, and they start murmuring. Remember a few months ago, murmur, 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 murmur. You know, kind of that complaining spirit. You know, God, I, God, I made these changes in my financial life, and look at my bank account, God. I got nothing. Murmur, murmur, murmur. I love that word. Murmur, murmur. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the spirit of our hearts. when we're, So you take those steps to move away from the slavery to the way the world thinks we ought to think about our money. And then, you oh, God's not providing for me now. But see, we have realized the par- whole journey of freedom is a whole process. Sometimes going through these emotions are part of the process. And maybe even a necessary part of the process. So they're complaining, Moses, we don't have any... And then cause God, and Moses kind of says, God, what do I do? And that's when God starts this, this process of every morning there's manna that falls in the desert; these little seeds like coriander seeds they can make bread out of. Every morning they're supposed to go out and collect enough for each person for that day. I think it was like two quarts or whatever. That No more, no more, just enough for that. Every day it showed up. Every day the provision showed up. Every day the bank account had a little bit more. Every day it showed up. All right, so in response to their complaining, God did that. Next thing that happens is, next slide, they hoard, all right? God told them, only take what you need, all right? Two quarts or so, or something like that, per person. Well, what the people started doing was, and, and God said, if you take more than that, anything left over will go rotten. Because if... You know, if Giff and I are going out to get manna some morning, and I was like, Giff, what, what if God doesn't show up tomorrow with manna? Shouldn't we grab a little extra and just kind of put it in a Ziploc bag or something? I mean, and Giff's like, yeah, I think we probably ought to, because we don't know if God's going to show up tomorrow morning. Well, that's what was happening. And God said, you know, if you, if you, if you put any extra, if you try to get extra because you're not sure I'm going to show up tomorrow morning with manna, it's going to go rotten. Now, this is not a statement against savings accounts. Some of you are like, "What's a savings account?" I don't know what that is. You know, it's not a statement against retirement accounts. It may be the statement against why you're doing it, or why you're doing it in exclusion of using what you could do to help others. All right, it's not wrong to store up. I mean, Joseph was led by God to led by God to store up grain because of the oncoming famine. So storing up out of wisdom and out of God's wisdom is one thing. Hoarding and holding on because you're just in case something goes wrong, I better have enough money. And it's almost out of a spirit of fear. And it's a spirit of distrusting God. Because I don't know if God's going to show up, so I better hoard it. I mean, it's, uh, one of the things I wrote is, and this is kind of the journey of my life financially, I'm always thinking, okay, if I could just get ahead, if I could just get a little more ahead, if i could just get a little little bit more and even more ahead and i think with me that comes from a hoarding mentality because that way if i have x number of months in advance then if god doesn't show up i'm good i don't have to depend on god for those few months now i don't think about it that way because that would be like unspiritual right but that's what we do i'm just kidding and, and i'm not saying that god always wants you to carry a zero cash balance either some people, he, there are some people throughout history that God's called to live life that way. There is biblical wisdom, there's things like, but, but if, you're, if your desire to get ahead is because you want to, you, you really are getting weary from trusting God to show up and providing, then wrestle with that issue because that's one of the issues, the emotions we have about money. All right, next thing. They started complaining again. This time, oh, now most we don't have any water. No water, you know, got no provision for water. We don't have enough for water. And it's the murmur, murmur, murmur all over again. And again, if, if you wrestle with this question about your heart and money, you'll go through at least two stages of complaining with God. At least, all right? Because you don't know, I don't know what to do with this, and God, I, I thought you were providing now, look at this, what happened, and my water heater broke, or whatever, and I didn't know I had to pay for this, and this just our Florida vacation money, or whatever. You're going to complain, complain, where's the water, and And then, so this is when Moses, I think this was the time when Moses struck the rock and water comes out, and uh, God provides. And you might say, yeah, but it seems like like God provided in response to their complaining just so the complaining worked. I don't think that's really the way it's supposed to work, and God really wasn't all that happy (laughs) with how it worked. So uh, I'm not, I don't think God's offended by your complaining, though, as long as it doesn't become this complaining spirit. Sometimes it's like, I don't know what to do. I'm I'm trying to trust you. But you may go through that phase more than once. All right, next one. Exodus 20, Paul, or Moses tells him, Don't covet what your neighbor has. Don't covet their, their horse, their donkey. Don't covet their car. Don't covet their computer. Don't covet their TV. Don't covet their house. Don't covet this. Don't, and it's, uh, I think a few weeks ago when Dan preached about comparing, that when we compare ourselves to others, it brings discontent. So now in your financial journey, you get to the point where you're like, Well, I'm trying to do what God's telling me to do and look at these people who aren't and look at the kind of cars they're driving. I mean, why do my friends don't have to work in college but I have to work with that? I, have to, I need the money for college. And then you see that kind of bleeds into a discontented coveting of what other people have. And again, it's because you're not quite sure if God's doing you right. Maybe God's withholding from me. So God tells them, don't covet. He tells them that because he knows that's human nature, all right? Next thing exploit. He says, you know, and this is in Exodus 20, this is all along part of the journey, don't exploit the orphans, don't exploit widows, don't exploit the poor. In other words, don't take advantage of those who don't have power in their lives. As a matter of fact, look out for them. And that looking out for them has something to do with money. I mean, even the Shiloh house thing Dan talked about, and some of you, what, six months ago, helped us buy sleeping bags for that, for Genesis, for their ha- homeless shelter. And uh, there's you can't get away from the fact that in the Scripture, God has a big heart for the disenfranchised. Orphans, aliens, widows, disenfranchised, whatever. And, and uh, Sometimes we have to be aware that maybe by our inactivity, we are exploiting. And it's not a statement of guilt again there, but maybe by our inactivity of helping people who have been part of the disenfranchised part of the system, maybe, maybe not helping is exploiting. Just asking that maybe. I'm not accusing us all of being exploiting, but I'm wondering if that may be part of what's going on sometimes with, well, but if they just get a job, they wouldn't need my money or whatever. All right, all kinds of issues there. Let's not unpack all that now. All right, next one. Now, so this, they're going along. God's trying to figure out how God's providing. God's taking care of them. And then there's one place where Moses on the, on the mountain and uh, getting the Ten Commandments from God, you know, writing on the uh, rocks, whatever, and the people start getting antsy because they want something to kind of give their energy to. And then Aaron, Moses' brother, tells them, hey, give, give us all your gold earrings. Women, get them from your daughters. Give us all your gold earrings, which they gave freely, which is kind of weird. It's like all this stuff of value they're given freely. And, Moses, and, and Aaron m- m- melts it all and makes this idolatrous golden calf out of it. And the people go crazy. Yeah, this is, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Yeah. I mean, they gave willingly to something they could then worship, but is misdirected. Now, let's jump to 2011. There are times where I know I have given my money to do things that I needed to feel feel like I was part of something bigger and almost I needed something to energize me. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to ever pay money to go to a music concert or an athletic event or go see a movie. I'm not saying that. But there are times where I think our entertainment budget may be because we need to feel energized by something. Because life's not really happy. I don't feel joy right now, so I need to go watch that movie. I don't feel, I feel kind of bored with life. I need to go watch, you know, Die Hard 15 or something, you know. <laughs> You know, but I've I wrestled with that before. There's times where I think, I just need to go see a movie tonight. And I'll think, is that because I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't think about this every time I want to go to a movie. So if you want to, if you want to go to a movie with me, don't, don't be afraid that if you call me, I'm going to get into this deep philosophical argument. All right. <laughs> but there are times where I think, am I giving my heart to this because I don't feel like God's giving my heart what I want it to be alive. And there's a phrase one author I like, he wrote, he talks about false transcendence. That maybe sometimes we, we wrap ourselves around the Hoosiers or the Colts or whatever band you like because it gives us meaning. It gives us energy. It gets, oh, I'm one of them. Nothing against the Colts or IU or things, you know what I'm saying. But there's sometimes, if, if you feel like that's part of your experience of those kind of things, You may need to check with God a little bit about how you're responding to that and maybe how you're using your money to kind of get that meaning, all right, which is what was happening with the golden calf. They used their money because they needed something to kind of give themselves to to give them meaning. That's what idolatry is, and we do it just the same as they do. We just don't build golden calves. We just build big theaters, big cathedral, you know, big kind of stadiums and things like that, all right? Then, finally, they move to what I'm just going to call abundant generosity, God told them all along, hey, you're blessed to be a blessing, B2B, blessed to be a blessing. And there's a point where they're going to build the temple. Moses says, we're going to build the temple now. And he asks the people to give. He's like, give, you know, give give your jewelry, give your clothes. I mean, all kinds of stuff. This is all the stuff they brought out of Egypt, by the way, that, of course, God provided for them by giving the Egyptians favor toward them. And so Moses makes this pitch to them, pitch, whatever you want to call it. Speech, persuasive speech, and here's how the people responded. It was interesting. It said, "All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord." I mean, people were bringing all kinds of stuff, and it actually said Moses had to tell, them, "Okay, that's enough. We got way too much. Stop giving." I mean, I've never been a part of a church that's had to say that, and but it's interesting. Just the phrase, "whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved." Now, please don't hear me say that if you don't put an appropriate amount of money on the, you know. If you don't give, your heart's not being stirred. Because your heart may be being stirred in another way that has to do with your money that may have nothing to do with whether it comes to excess or not. All right. So, What I'm saying is, are you willing to let God stir your heart and move your spirit when it comes to your stuff? When it comes to your stuff. Are you willing to let God move your heart, stir your heart, move your spirit? Because that's part of the issue that's is probably start square one. If you don't even let God have access to that, he's not going to stir your heart and move your spirit. And sometimes we don't give God access because we're afraid he might stir us to give, and then we want to give, but we're wrestling with, yeah, but I want to give, but I was saving that for money for this, and da 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 But it's incredible they moved to this thing of generosity. And and they didn't stay there, like, forever, because they, they, they were human and they still wrestled with all kinds of things throughout the rest of their lives as a people of God. But they went to this kind of, they became this abundantly generous to build the temple because the temple was going to be representing a place for God to dwell, or a place of influence for God to dwell. Now, here's one of the things that we say at Exodus, this is kind of relates to this whole thing. It's easy to define success as our capacity to accumulate. Our success as an individual, or our success as a church is how much stuff we can have. Bigger buildings, bigger budgets. Your staff, whatever, all right, that's the accumulation model of success, and that's usually, that's the American dream, the more you have, the more successful you are, all right, here at Exodus, what we're saying is we, we reject that as our definition of success, although it's still, we still struggle with it, because we want to define success as our giveaway capacity, I actually was toying with the word giveaway ability, it sounds kind of like a mouthful, and maybe it's kind of cheesy, but we want to increase our giveaway ability, We want to increase our capacity to give away our time, give away our money, give away our energy to things like Shiloh House in Bloomington or things like disenfranchised people in Bloomington or even giving away to one another when we have emotional, spiritual, financial needs. Giving ourselves away. The measure of our success will be our ability as people to give away our time, emotional energy, and our money. All right? And we feel like the step we've taken with our budget was a way that we want to increase our ability to, as a group, as individuals, to become those kind of people. All right? So that's our success definition. Now, finish with this. I'm going to, I'm going to rephrase the initial question. The initial question was, how might Jesus be challenging the relationship between your heart and your money? I'm going to just finish with this question. Why? Why you, what, does God, does God does he have a cash flow issue? Does, you know, does God have some pro- financial problems? You know, is he Enron or something? What's going on here? You know? why, might he, why does Jesus care? All right, go to the next one. I mean, why, why does Jesus even care about something like giving money to the church? Does Jesus care about that? Why would he even want to stir you why would he want to stir me? I mean, I, my wife and I have been talking about this. What do you think God's wanting to stretch us with? And does that feel like a too comfortable thing? I don't know, but you know, we could use that money for this. But yeah, but what about this? And how does God, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I was gonna say it's a fun conversation, but it's not all that fun because you're wrestling with how are, we, how are we gonna value things? All right, now, part of the why, go to the next. From the very beginning of Exodus, the one thing I've said to people, and I still believe this through my heart, I believe we're called to change Bloomington. And I don't mean that in a political way. I don't mean that in a force of power way. But I believe every church in Bloomington probably believes this, but we say specifically, I believe our calling is to change Bloomington, Indiana, to make it a place that is incredibly receptive to the work of the Holy Spirit and a place where Jesus has his way. Again, not political way, Not, you know, not trying to make us blue or red or whatever color you value on the national maps come November. But the more capacity we have as people to be giveaway people, it seems like that's what God values. The more we become that, the more we begin influencing others by a giveaway capacity. We give away ourselves, give away our energy, we serve others. Something begins to change in the spiritual DNA of Bloomington. I don't always understand it, but I believe God knows what he's talking about when he says that. And whether it's a church this size, in the last couple weeks I've had lunch or coffee with probably four or five other senior pastors in Bloomington. And I've told all of them, I view them like their fellow ships at Normandy. I don't care how much bigger their ship is than ours, I'm just glad they're on our side. And they're not shooting at us. If they shoot at us, I might shoot them back. I don't know. (laughs) But the whole point is... we, Exodus Church, have been given an assignment. You know, we've been given our own beachhead, so to speak. We're not going to do what Sherwood Oaks does, ECC, Vineyard. That, they have their own calling, but our calling is all the same in that we're, our, our objective is to release people who are in oppression. That's what Jesus said he came to do. So we need to be faithful to our calling, and part of our calling in Bloomington is what we're known for in Bloomington. If you don't know much about Exodus, what we're known for is the church that gives, gives things away. All right, That probably is because that's what God wants us to be about. So this whole budget stretch of ours is an attempt to increase our capacity as people to give our time, money, and energy away. That's why we're doing what we're doing, because we believe that's the kind of people God wants us to be. And I believe that somehow Bloomington, Indiana, will be a different place, in a much better place, um, in a much a place of more joy, more happiness, more peace, more abundance. Because we do things the way God asks us to. Again, not forceful. It's the force of love and the force of self sacrifice that makes the community what will be what what God would want it to be. That's why we're doing this. So that's our challenge. And uh, let me pray, and then uh, we're going to move to the next thing. God, we want to be the kind of people who um, we want our hearts to have large capacities. And whether it's letting go of money, whether it's forgiving someone, whether it's uh, responding to something you're asking us to do, all those things are ways in which you increase our capacity to hold and then pour out your goodness on others. And it's just like we read at the very beginning of the sermon. We want to be people who show others the goodness of God. That's why we exist. We want to show others your goodness. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, I'm going to ask Dan, he's going to grab some people to help him pass out these yellow cards. And again, if... If you're not a regular at exodus uh take it and you know draw on the back of it and put it on your refrigerator i don't care what you do with it and if you're a regular you know you, just, you probably just need one per family so but this is just to kind of make, put it somewhere where you think about it this week and then we'll have more available next week but just to think about this week and uh and if like i said if you're not a regular here maybe let it, let god use it to kind of prompt other ways in which god may want you to be kind of giving yourself and your money away All right, so. Let it be a prompt of some kind for you, Um, and again, we'll we'll talk more about that next week. So, um, one other thing I forgot to mention too, with regard to that, some of you, some have asked just more specifically, just an outline of the budget at Exodus. There's some on the table over there on the side when you leave. If if you're one who wants to look at that, which there may be many of you here, um, feel free to grab one of those, and then feel free to ask questions or whatever. So. Um, while they're passing out, too, we end every, we end every Sunday at Exodus uh, with communion. And if I can make the link here, which is not so difficult to make, the whole life that Jesus modeled for us was the life that the more successful, if you want to be successful, you got to give yourself away. If you want to be successful, you got to give yourself away. That's God's definition of success. And it says, Jesus emptied himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus had this downward mobility mentality instead of the upward mobility that our American culture demands of us, and the realization was, if you want to be great, you've got to give yourself away. If you want to be great, you've got to serve others, all right? So when we take communion today, Jesus said, we do this to remember him, do this in remembrance of me, yet we're re- we are remembering his death, his resurrection, his bloodshed, his body broken, that makes us have the ability now that we can now be those kind of people. We have the access for God that God can make those kind of people. But we're remembering because we want to be like Jesus. We want to be someone who becomes successful and great by our capacity to give ourselves away. All right? So here's what we do at Exodus. uh, Lucas will lead us in a few more songs while we're singing. Come on up. Either the side aisles or right here in the middle. There'll be someone who will offer you bread. Just tear off a piece they're off you the cup dip it in that's how we do it here most people eat it right here other people take it back to their seat and eat it it's up to you no no rules on that one um over there on the side in the room that's labeled prayer there are people there that will pray for you for any needs you have any needs of your heart it may or may not be related to this morning's sermon just anything you feel like you want somebody to agree with you in prayer on all right let me pray and then we'll take god you are good Jesus, uh, you display to us the outlandish goodness of God by how you gave yourself so that we could be made alive. And we're grateful, Jesus, and with gratitude we take this. And we want to be like you are, Jesus. We want to be a giving servant. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.